go back to 1 Peter again and um, continue our Bible study here in 1 Peter and chapter number 1. Uh, we've been here for several, several weeks now. And I've been trying to learn a few things out of this chapter. And uh, so tonight we're going to head on to uh, the next set of verses and see what we can find here in the um, wonderful treasure that is God's Word. And so uh, if you found your place tonight, 1 Peter chapter 1, let's stand in honor and reverence to the reading of the Word of God. And uh, I know I preached out of verse 13. Last week, but we're going to read that again and uh, look at a few more verses tonight. In verse number 13 of 1 Peter chapter number 1, the Bible says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust and your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy." And so what a, uh, what a passage right there, what a, a handful of verses there. Uh, we've preached up uh, the, through the entirety of chapter number one, talking about our, in heaven, our heavenly inheritance because of the salvation that God has given us. And uh, right here in verse number 13, which I preached last week, the Bible says, Wherefore, because of all of these previous things, then... There's some things that we should do. And so uh, we're going to look at this tonight, continue looking at it. Thank you for standing. You can be seated tonight. And so uh, because of the salvation that God has given us, because of the wonderful inheritance that he has given us, uh, we are to gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Hope to the end uh, for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's where we were at last week. Uh, but I uh, only had time to really get through that uh, that one uh, one subject there as far as being girded. And so uh, the thought is to be ready. And uh, this passage right here, actually verses 13 down through verse number 25. So the remainder of chapter number one, we are given several things that we are to do because we are children of God. And so um, uh, there's, there's several different things. But anyways, uh, we are to be ready. Ready for what? Well, the return of Jesus Christ. And if we're going to be ready when he returns, then we're going to do these things that are listed here in 1 Peter chapter number 1. And so the first thing that we saw last week was to be girded. And we looked at, uh, we looked at that out of verse number 13. And tonight we're going to try and look at a few more things from this chapter uh, that we are to do in order to be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. And keep in mind, all of these things also will help us 
endure the trial of our faith. They will help us endure persecution because persecution is coming. We've been blessed for many years in America, but I'm telling you what, here's what's happening right now. We see it. I just uh, actually just uh, uh, heard on a podcast yesterday how a certain Christian school has now been uh, canceled off of a sports uh, a sports. Um, um, I don't know, group or uh, something like that. I don't know how all that works. I'm not a sports guy. But anyways, uh, they're a fairly large Christian school, and uh, they uh, they would play sports with several different schools, and they were part of a uh, a you know, just a group of schools that would play together. And uh, they recently got kicked out of that group because uh, they will they are not okay with having uh, biological males play as females or biological females play as males. And um, I say amen to that. It's ridiculous what we see in our day. And I don't know, uh, I don't understand. Well, I don't understand it. That's all I can say. I know what's going on, but I just don't understand it. And, uh, you know, they, they want to have, they want to have, uh, it was just like back in the summer with the NCAA. They had, uh, the, the women's, the women's, uh, swimming. And, uh, there was a biological male that ended up taking home the trophy. He tied with a young woman, and they gave him the trophy. I guess, you know, they pretty much, I, I, I heard her giving a testimony yesterday, and she was saying that they literally just looked at her and said, you tied with her, who is actually a him, they will get the trophy. You're more than welcome to take photos holding the trophy, but the trophy will go home with him. And uh, why is that? Because our government is eat up and our associations are eat up with bowing down to this mess. And uh, she was talking about how humiliating it was because they had to even share the locker room with him. And... I can't get into all of that. But anyways, that's the world that we're growing up or grow, that's the world my kids are growing up in. That's the world I'm, I still say I'm growing up. And uh, that's the world we're in though. And it's not going to get any better. And here's what's going to happen. We're either going to go with them or we're going to get canceled. That's the world, okay? That's how we are. And they already tell us that it, it just what I'm saying so far is deemed as hate speech. And so uh, anyways, that's where we're going. And I'm telling you, if, if we don't, if the Lord doesn't come back uh, very soon, we're going to be facing some persecution in America. Some already are. And so uh, uh, these things, keeping these things in mind, our salvation, our inheritance, uh, you know, Peter here is writing to a bunch of Christians that are being persecuted, and he's reminding them of what they have in Christ. 
That's what gets us through the tough times. Remembering how blessed we are, remembering what God has given us and how good God has been to us, that gets us through these times. And so uh, we're going to look at a couple more things here tonight that we are to be doing. The first thing was we are to be girded. I'm not going to repeat everything from last week. And, and so uh, we're going to move on and look at verse number 14 tonight as the first point or the second thing that we are to do as Christians in this world. And that is be growing. We're to be girded, but then in verse 14, we are to be growing. Look at how verse number 14 begins. It says, as obedient children. As obedient children. Now, we emphasize obedience to children, but we're never too old to obey. Right? We never reach a place in life where we are no longer under obligation to obey God. And God commands His children and expects His children to obey Him. In Luke chapter 6 verse 46, the Bible says, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? In Deuteronomy 5 29, the Bible says, Oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always that it might be well with them and their children forever. In James chapter 1 verse 25, the Bible says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now God calls for his children to be children of obedience. There was a time that we could not obey the word of God, but now because we are the children of God, we have the spirit of God that enables us to obey him. Some people sat back and they crossed their hands and said, nope, it's impossible. Nope, we can't live the Christian life. If we can't live the Christian life, then, then we, well, let me rephrase that. In our own flesh, in our own strength, no, it is not possible. But that's why we have the Holy Spirit living within us. The Holy Spirit enables us. You know why? Because God expects it. People get hung up on this, well, I'm just not perfect. And, not, and no, we're not perfect. That's exactly right. But listen to me. People are so quick to use all of these things as an excuse, as an excuse to live in sin. As I preached on Sunday, that's not the intent. Scripture says something completely different. And so Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says this, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. 1 John 5 3 says, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. And so here's the thing, as a child of God, it opens up here in verse 14, as obedient children. And just as children are to be obedient to their parents, you and I as children of God are to be obedient to God our Father. So the question tonight is, are you a child of God? Have you received the Holy Spirit in you? And if you have, are you obedient children? 
Peter tells the believers here that they are to be obedient children because they have received that great salvation that the prophets foretold and the angels desire to look into. And if we are obedient children, then we will be growing. We will be growing. There's something wrong with, with uh, people that's been in church for uh, any, I mean, just any length of time at all. 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. There's several people in churches today that's been in church all their life and they've not grown one bit from the day they got saved. There's something odd about that. It's just not natural. It's not right. It's no more natural than, uh, than my little girl back there at five years old never getting any larger, never getting any taller than what she is right now. Never growing in her knowledge. We would all sit back and say, well, that's an odd case, preacher. That's just not natural. Well, it's not natural in the spiritual sense either. And so as obedient children, we should be growing. And so then we see here not only that we are to be uh, growing, but we're also to be guarded. And that kind of goes hand in hand with being girded that I talked about last week. But being guarded, uh, we, we looked more, and all of this is spiritual in nature, nature, but last week we were talking about having a spiritual mind and, and, and different things like that. But when I say be guarded, we're talking about a danger. When danger is known to be coming, the wise man will build a defense system of protection. Why is it that we have alarm systems in our homes? Why is it that we have cameras in our homes? Why do we have cameras around the church? We want to guard what we have. And if somebody wants to mess up, we want a picture of them. So the police can go after them. We put a, uh, we put a, um, I, I, at the house, I've got cameras, I've got an alarm system. And if they manage to get past all of that, I've got a few things they really don't want to come in contact with. You know what I'm talking about. Why do we do all of that? Because we want to be guard. We want to guard what we've worked so hard to have. We want to guard, and basically, I'll be honest with you, my house, uh, when it comes to my family, my house, and anything else that I have, that doesn't really matter. The biggest thing is my family. I'm going to guard my family. I'm going to do what I, whatever it takes to keep somebody from running off with my kids, to keep somebody from harming my wife. Yeah. I'm telling you, a pastor is not supposed to be looking for a fight, but he will fight. I ain't looking for no fight. I'm looking to have peace with men, but I'm going to tell you something. If it comes down to it, I will fight. When I was growing up, my daddy always taught me not to start the fight, but if I happen to get in one, I better be the one that finishes it. I say amen to that. <laughs> amen. So here's the thing. Why do we do all that? Because we know the danger that is around us. There is danger uh, all across. I mean, you go to the mall, you go to the store, you go to the gas station, you look around, even on the road. People, people are unhinged nowadays. 
There's danger everywhere. And so here's the thing, though. Uh, that We're talking physically there, but I want to remind us tonight that spiritually, we also have a danger lurking around us. And so we don't ever need to lose sight of the fact that we've got an enemy who is looking for any moment of vulnerability at all. I tell you what, Proverbs 14, 15 tells us that the prudent man looketh well to his going. Proverbs 4, 23 tells us to keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Hey, guarding is something that is scriptural. And in 1 Peter 5, 8, we all know this verse that Satan is described to us as a lion. And a lion is very subtle. Y'all have heard all this before. They're ambush predators. That means they lie and they wait and they hide themselves until just the right moment. And when is that moment? Well, it's when that person is, or, or when that animal has, has distanced themselves from the other pack, or, or maybe it's a weaker animal or a wounded animal. And, and when it's close enough, that lion will spring into action. And what that lion will do is he'll go for their throat and he'll suffocate them. And Satan is the same way. He looks for that Christian who's let down his guard by drifting away from a good Bible preaching church, forgets his Bible reading and prayer time, or becomes careless in his choice of entertainment or a choice of friends. And our enemy, let me just tell you, we may, t- we may take vacations, but the enemy doesn't. He's always on the prowl, and the moment that we let our guard down, let me tell you, he will be coming for us. And so we've got to be guarded. We've got to stay guarded. So how exactly do we guard ourselves? Well, verse number 14 tells us, here's how we guard ourselves. We reject sinful patterns and selfish passions. Look at verse 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. See, we're not to fashion ourselves according to former lust is what that verse says. And what does that exactly mean? Well, the phrase not fashioning yourselves according to is from the Greek word that means this, to conform yourself to another's pattern to be guided by. So here's the thing, we are not to follow or be guided by the lustful lifestyle of our lives before we were saved and ignorant of the truth of God's Word. We're not to be conformed to the mold of this ungodly world. When everything see, everything that is wrong seems to be what is being paraded in our day, when everything that is wrong and, and you've got all these mega church pastors and people just every single day, somebody out, out there that's in the limelight that everybody's looking at is, is, is bowing down to the society that we have. I heard a very famous pastor the other day. I wouldn't call him a pastor, but it's what he is. He he was preaching and he read there that God made them male and female. And he went on to, to say, oh, gosh, I wish it was different. I wish it didn't say that, but it does. And, and guys, I'll just be honest with you. If I was there when God was creating everything, I would have looked at him and said, well, God, can't you put a little gray area right there for us? 
Does it have to be A and B? Can't we have A, B, C, D, or maybe even an E? You know what he was doing? He's having the audacity in front of thousands of people to say that he questions God's authoritative decisions. You know what he just told him? He said, well, if I had been there, I, I would have said, well, now God, you, you, you sure you want to do it this way? I tell you, we're in trouble. People are looking to him, people like him, as their spiritual guidance. They're blind. They're blind leading the blind. And, and here's the thing, we see it every day. It seems like somebody else, uh, you know, this guy I'm talking about right now, I, I mean, I, I don't mind naming names anymore. I'm talking about Mike Todd, and, and then uh, uh, the week before that, Andy Stanley came out the same way. He, Andy Stanley was applauding the, the uh, community and the trans community, and, and I, I mean, it's just a mess what we're in. And you know what they're doing? Let me tell you what they're doing. <laughs> they, are allow, they are conforming themselves to another's pattern. Not God's. You know what God's Word tells us though? It tells us in the book of Romans, uh, the book of Romans chapter 12 verse 12, Be not conformed to this world. There it is, black and white. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what that is, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And more and more we're seeing these men and we're seeing these, these spiritual leaders and we're seeing these churches, they're more conformed to the world than they are God. Paul is telling us here, don't be conformed to the world. It means we are not to be conformed or fashioned to this world's philosophies, this world's opinions, this world's impulses, their greed, their sinful life styles. We are not to conform to it. In a world where the majority is bringing all of this up and they're all uh, in the name of tolerance, they're all bowing down to the idol of a wicked lifestyle. Yeah. The Bible tells the children of God not to bow. Not to bow. Just like in three Hebrew boys back in book. I mean, I'm telling you what, we're there. We're seeing these things in our day. And the question is, we are not to bow. We are to stand. And if it puts us in a fiery furnace, so be it. I'm telling you, the days are coming. We're not just going to be persecuted by the world. We're going to be persecuted by the world and we're going to be persecuted by the so-called Christians in the world. Mm. The word in Romans 12, transformed, it describes a change from within. It's a change in our attitude. And a change in our attitude that leads to a change in our behavior. 
1 Peter 1, 14 here says, former lust, former lust. You see, prior to salvation and sometimes even following, we develop sinful habits that can be difficult to break. In the Word of God, you'll often find these referred to as strongholds. And the longer we practice a wrong lifestyle, the harder it is to be freed from its grip. And it's only going to be possible as we submit to the Holy Spirit. Think about this. Looking for the Lord's return will motivate us to stay on our toes spiritually. It will. Colossians chapter 3 says this, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid in, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now... Ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. It is clear in the word of God that at the moment of salvation, there is a change from within. There's a change from within. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, 10, 11 says this, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. We've got people that are professing the name of Christ out here living guilty in those sins. And somehow they say that they're Christian. The Bible's pretty clear. Because look at this in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Here's what it says. And such were past tense, some of you. But ye are washed, ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. It is obvious there is a change in the life of a believer. And here's what all of that is to say. Christians are to forsake their former lifestyles. Peter tells them that they are not to conform to their former lust. Now those former lusts are going to try to attach themselves to us. We're tempted daily to submit to the carnal man, but we must daily submit to Christ the Master. you got to fight that old man every day, but thanks be to God, we don't have to fight him alone. We are in a warfare, and the war with the enemy doesn't inform you when he's going to attack. In fact, he waits for the moment when you relax, and the spiritual battle is ongoing. There are no days off. There's not even time to relax. We have to be guarded. And so we are to be, just for review, 
be girded. We are to be growing. We are to be guarded. And then the last thing we see in verse 15 and 16 is we are to be godly or holy. I said godly because it's got a G in it and it goes with the rest of them. But we're to be godly. We ought to act like our father. There ought to be some character. I'm, I'm, my wife tells me all the time. She said, you said that, or when you said that, you look like your daddy. And I'm like, don't do that to me. She said, the way you move your hands and the way you move your mouth sometimes when you're talking, it's just, she said, it's just like your daddy. You know why? Because I got his genes going through my whatever, the DNA. I'm bound to act like him at some point. I told her, I said, well, maybe I'll just act like all the good things. And I didn't say that. Y'all don't tell him that. My mama watches me preach, so he'll, he'll find out anyways. But here's the thing. Why do I, why can she say that? Because I know she's telling the truth. Why? Because he's my dad. Same way with y'all. I mean, it's because I get her back because I say, yeah, sometimes you act like your dad too. (laughs) There's times that she acts like her dad, and then there's other times I see her mama. And I'm just being honest, that's the way each one of us is. So why is it that it's perfectly acceptable for a Christian to have no character traits whatsoever of who they say their father is? That's an odd thing. See, if Christ, if we are children of God and God is truly our Father, then we ought to have some of His traits in our life. Look at verse 15 and 16. The Bible says, But as He which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. You see, as parents, we expect our children to act as we would have them act. It's not a request. It is a requirement. Why? Because they represent us. Our reputations are on the line. I've had this conversation with my boys several times. We're getting a car. Son, you embarrassed me. Or I'll look at Madeline, you embarrassed me walking in that church acting like you was born in a barn. Yeah, like you ain't never had no raisin. And then sit there and not listen to one word I say. Hey, y'all ever been there? So why, why do we do that? Because our reputation's on the line. My kids... No, you're killing me. Anyways, that's why we want them to listen. I've gone and preached at churches, and, and it was my first time there, maybe my only time. And y'all, y'all know the phrase, you only got one chance to make a lasting impression. And I, I cannot have my children climbing all over the walls. Why? Because my reputation's on the line. 
Somebody might look at me, you know, they, they don't understand that Noah's got ADHD and, and got some, and, and hey, not everybody even believes that's a thing, but it is. Um, anyways, I'm getting off track, but here's the thing. They don't understand that. They don't see that. All they know is he might have been having a special morning and he was extra everything and he's bouncing off the walls. And somebody might walk around, well, well I'll tell you what, that preacher right there ain't got that boy under control. He ain't going to be much of a pastor. I say it. I mean, people, you know, reputation's on the line. Now, there's several things. I, you know, if... It, it's neither here nor there. If somebody ever said that to me, I really don't care. It's okay. I do the best I can with them. And my daughter. And they're good kids. They're just like me when I was little. But anyways. But y'all understand where I'm getting at there. Reputation's on the line. Why? Because they represent us. And you know what? We represent God. And what does God demand? That we be holy. Why? Because he's holy. Our lives are to be patterned after him. And if people are going to see Christ in our lives, if he is going to be glorified in us, then we need to live like him. We are His ambassadors. Worldliness and carnal living, they are not characteristics of Jesus Christ. But holiness is. We was coming up the road this evening and Noah asked me about a certain person. Certain singer. And he said, you think he's a Christian? And I said, I don't have a clue, son. He said, well, I like some of his songs. He's got Christian, you know, he, he, he sings hymns. I said, yeah. I said, here's the problem, though. I said, out of one corner of his mouth, he'll sing Amazing Grace, and out of the other corner, he'll sing about a honky-tonk and getting drunk. I said, you remember what I said Sunday night preaching? I said, the book of James tells us that blessing and cursing should not come out of the same mouth. He said... So do you think he's a Christian? And I said, only him and God knows whether he's truly born again. I said, but I believe if he was truly born again, he'd throw away the honky-tonk and the beer drinking and he'd get more of that amazing grace. Why? Because if we're children of God, we are changed. And as verse 14 says, we are not to fashion ourselves according to the former lust. So, there you go. But here's the, here, here's the thing, and, and y'all know this, just as good as anybody else. Music is nothing but a money-making industry. There, I said it. Anyways, even Christian music is the same way. But here's the thing. Worldliness and carnal living, they do not characterize the life of Christ. Holiness does, though. And so, be ye holy is a command that is to be obeyed. And we are urged repeatedly to be like the Lord. 
And let me, let me just show you something right here in verse number 14. No, verse 16. There's no argument. There's no debating it. You know why? Look at what it says. Because it is written. Stops right there. It don't matter if you agree with it or not. This is the word of God. It's written. It's written right here. And let me just go ahead and give you some others. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. What about Leviticus 11.45? That's actually what this is referring to in 1 Peter uh, 1.16. It's referring back to Leviticus 11.45 that says, For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. You know, many, many in the church have never surrendered their lives to the Word of God because they are not obedient to the Word of God. The Word of God is to have authority over our lives. It is to have authority over our worldview and our living in this world. We are to take everything with the Word of God. We are to take everything to the Word of God. And what does God's standard say about it? You got a question about something? What does God's standard say about it? You see something on TV that looks really good? Well, how about this? Go to the Word of God and see if it lines up with it. We've got a bunch of people in our day that are trading the Word of God for an experience. I've been talking about Speaking in tongues and things like that, we've got a podcast episode coming out next Monday on what is speaking in tongues all about and what does the Bible actually say about it. Because we see this popping up in all of the charismatic movements. Everywhere is popping up. And so, and so uh, we did a podcast episode about it. But here's the thing. I want you to understand something. These people... I saw a guy just today, he does not believe you are truly saved if you cannot speak in tongues. Because he says, if you cannot speak in tongues, then the Holy Spirit is not with you. And he ain't talking about English and Spanish and German and Chinese and Russian. He's talking about, y'all know what I'm talking about. Here's the thing, what do they use that for? Even in his own words, he's using it as a sign of a true salvation. These people in these churches, in these charismatic churches, in the NAR churches, and everything that's blowing up today, you know what they're doing? They're looking for a sign. Well, what does God's standard actually say about that? Jesus said that an evil and adulterous generation looks for a sign. And he says there's no sign to be given other than as Jonah was three nights, three days and three nights in the belly of the well, so will the Son of Man be. That's why, that's why in Luke chapter 16, when that rich man lifts up his eyes in hell and he's begging Abraham to send Lazarus to go talk to his brothers so that they wouldn't come there, uh, Abraham looks at him and says, 
they won't believe even though one raised from the dead. So, is looking for a sign biblical in our day? No. No way is it. No way. And see, what we're getting to now is you can explain that to somebody and they'll look at you and they'll say, well, I don't care what God's Word said. I just know what I felt. And I wouldn't be this crass trying to witness to somebody to their face, but here's the thing. We got people that's throwing out the Word of God and they're going on feelings and their feelings are going to take them straight to hell. I would say that in a much nicer way. But here's the thing. Everything we see, everything we hear, everything that we do, we are to stack it up against God's word and see what the standard says. If it is not according to the standard, then guess what? You need to separate from it. God has set the standard and holiness begins with a person submits their lives to the Word of God. The world tells us that God's Word will conform. But I'm here to tell you tonight that we must conform to the Word of God. Listen, we can't be surrendered to Jesus if we're not surrendered to the Word of God. And it concerns me how many people say that they believe the Word of God and they were saved because they believe what God's Word says, but when it comes to their life, they will not submit to it. You know why it concerns me? Because we cannot love Jesus if we don't love the Word of God. Warren Wiersbe wrote this. He said, the word reveals God's mind, so we should learn it. God's heart, so we should love it. God's will, so we should live it. So far, we've learned in the book of 1 Peter here that to be ready for the coming of the Lord, we must be girded, we must be growing, we must be guarded, and we must be godly. So my question is, does that describe you? Let's stand and bow our heads.